Good morning. It's good to see you this morning, and uh, I bet a lot of those videos and those pictures are going to be out there somewhere and kept for a long time by family and friends. You know, if you're, uh, if you're an L.A. sports fan, <laughs> it's been a rough 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a rough 24 hours. Okay, that's all I'll say, but we're thankful. We're thankful to the Lord that he gives us opportunity to, uh, to come to the Word and to learn from him and to be encouraged. Um, before I get into the message, I want to dismiss the children in the sanctuary, any of the children from uh, two years up to the fifth grade uh, to go to KWP. You know, this morning, uh, this morning we're continuing in our, in our study and our, our view and our look at the God of Miracles. And I think this is, it's an, exciting, it's an exciting topic to dwell on, for us to just sit in and take, uh, and take in, because it's a topic that reveals, it reveals new things to us about our God, new dimensions, right? Things that, things that maybe we didn't know, or things that we haven't thought about. You know, each week... We want to pull back the curtain just a little bit more and just to get a sense, a fuller sense of, of who it is, this God that we worship and what our Heavenly Father is like. And so whether we've been believers for a long time or this is all new to you, right? there's so much we don't understand about God. There's so much for us to learn. Um, when I thought about it, I was trying to find an analogy or comparison. It's like, you know, it's like thinking, how much do we really know about the universe, right? And about the, uh, the solar system and the galaxies and, and outer space, right? It's so vast, so unexplored. And although William Shatner may know a lot, right, we don't know very much, right? When we think about God, in the book of Job, it says, can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? So I think when we talk about miracles, God wants to stir in us that wonder and amazement of who he is, and he wants to stretch our understanding of what he's capable of. You know, it's exciting to see young guys like Dawson and, and to see Silas, to see them get baptized because they have the heart and the faith, right? You can see it. They're growing in the Lord. They're grabbing onto their faith. But they're only at the beginning, right, of this journey with the Lord. It's early for them. And they're in an enviable position because they and our children Right, are going to see and learn things about God in the coming years that's going to blow their minds. See, I think there's a natural tendency for us as we grow older, as we mature in the faith, as we grow longer in the faith, 
there's a tendency for us to take for granted what we think we know so well. Been there, done that. Right? Been to church, heard that story before. And our lives with God become ho-hum. And I think that's the last thing that God wants for us. To come to church thinking that we've got it all down. That we understand you know, all there is to know. That there's nothing new here. And scripture warns us of this type of arrogance. This type of, of presumption. It says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Right? God has so much more to teach us, to show us, to reveal to us. And one of the challenges then is for us to take the word of God, what we hear, what we read, what we experience, take the word of God at face value and to allow God to open our hearts and our minds to his miraculous power as we read it in scripture, but also as we experience it in our lives as well and as we see it in the lives of our friends and family. You know, this morning we're going to read uh, we're going to read about God's miraculous power over something that I think we may not be so familiar with. And that's spiritual warfare and demonic possession. Right, we're going to look at a story about how the spiritual battle is taking place in the world around us. So if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 8 in your Bibles. Luke chapter 8, and we're going to read, I'm going to read verses 26 through 37. It says, They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit, commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all of the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. Let's pray. 
Father God, I thank you for this, this, this time where we can open your word, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would reveal more and more of yourself to us. That you would help us to draw from the scripture, Lord, what it is you have for us to apply to our lives, right? to, to dwell on, to trust in, to live out, and to glorify, use to glorify you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would guide uh, our time together, minister to us where we're at. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, earlier we talked, we talked about how we may feel that we've got the, the Christian faith down pat, that we understand who Jesus is in our lives, you know, where all this is leading, where we're going to end up in eternity, and how we are to respond, how we're to follow the Lord. You know, and this may be a way you feel. This is something that I feel at times, like, okay, I got this down. I know what to do, how to live my life. And I just want to point out that this was almost never the case for Jesus' disciples, for those that we read about in Scripture like this clear understanding of exactly what's happening right now, where it's all leading to, what am I to do? In Jesus, for Jesus' disciples, for those that followed him, those we, we read about, right, their day-to-day experience with him was in many ways unpredictable. We worship an unpredictable God Or maybe a way we would say it is a mysterious God. Right? And they only begin to understand and learn what he's like as Jesus reveals his power to him, to them, right? Through his ministry. Living with them, living with Jesus, following Jesus, they were regular witnesses to his miraculous power. A power which baffled them most of the time. You know, I can picture these guys going out, right, following Jesus around, watching him, listening to him teach, watching him minister, and every day he would do things that astounded them. In the passage right before this one that we read, right, Jesus calms a violent storm. You may know this story, right, and they go into the boat and they're crossing the lake and this, it says this squall comes up. Right? And they fear for their lives because the water is coming over the side of the boat. And they tell Jesus, right, help, save us. And Jesus calms the storm. Right? And Luke 8.25 says, In fear and amazement, they ask one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. See, my point is that God, God cannot be put in a box. Right? We cannot confine God to just what we think, just what we, we think we know and what we understand. We need to be open to what God reveals of himself in Scripture and in our lives. He is constantly revealing himself to us, just as he did with his disciples to this day. So after demonstrating his, his, his authority over the forces of nature, right, 
Jesus steps into this situation. He's confronted by evil forces. He's confronted by this demon-possessed man. Right? And it's scary. Sometimes it's, it, not sometimes, I think it's very hard to relate to, but if we put ourselves in the story, right, this is, this is frightening. Right, the demons, also called impure spirits here in the passage, or evil spirits we see in other parts of Scripture, right, they have completely invaded this man's life. He's gone insane. It says he lives naked among the tombs. He lives among the dead. In Mark 5, where this story is also told, the same account, Right? It says the man screams at night and he shrieks and he breaks his chains with incredible strength and he cuts himself with stones. Right? Self-mutilation. This is the stuff right, that Halloween tales are made of. Right? It's ghoulish. He seems like a zombie. He is like the dead living, right, among us. Imagine if he was your neighbor, <laughs> right? And you could hear him screaming at night. You could hear him breaking his chains, breaking the dishes, busting the furniture, right? I guess I'm not going to his house for candy, right? It's terrifying because it's a situation that's beyond control. There's no way to help him, so he has to be separated. There's no way to manage this situation. Right? But here's the hardest part about it for, I think, most of us. It's that it's not natural. It's spiritual. It's supernatural. Right? Spiritual warfare exists because Satan and demons exist to oppose the work of God and to create havoc in a person's life in order to turn them and others away from God and towards destruction. That's the definition of spiritual warfare. Again, I know this may be hard to relate to. Right? We live in a modern society where the miraculous and the spiritual, much less talk about the devil and demons, right, are considered ancient beliefs. They're myths. They're not considered real. But Ephesians 6.12 makes clear of the conditions that we live in as believers. And it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Right? This is what the Bible tells us. See, in many ways, in our desire to feel like we're in control of our lives, right, we have to be able to explain things. We don't like the supernatural, really. Right? Why they happen, how things happen, cause and effect, there's something comforting for us to be able to explain things away. We need an explanation. We need it scientifically. We need it medically. Right? We need it logically 
or systematically. And many things are known. Okay? Many things are known. I am not denying science or medicine or all of these things, technology. Right? There are physical laws. There are natural laws. There are diseases. There are illnesses. There's the way technology works, except around my house. Right? It, sometimes it just doesn't seem to work. And that... Right? God provides for a material world that has order and structure. Right? We see this in the creation in Genesis. There is, there is an intelligent wisdom and a sovereign God behind these things. And this is part of the blessing of God. But there is a spiritual world as well. There is a spiritual world where a battle is taking place beyond the material, beyond the physical, beyond what we can just easily see with our, with our eyes and, and know with our senses. And we see it in this man's life, but it's also real in the lives of, of people today. So what do, what do we see in this passage? Well, what we first think is an interaction between Jesus and the man is actually a conversation between Jesus and demons. Right? If you look closely at the passage, the man says, my name is Legion. But it's actually the demons that are speaking. The book of Mark says it more clearly. It says, my name is Legion, for we are many. Right? A Roman legion was about 6,000 soldiers, and so we know that there were many demons tormenting this man. And they speak out of his mouth. Now we don't know how or why this happened, why he's possessed. The scripture doesn't tell us. But we know that they have control over him. In verse 29 it says, many times it had seized him. Right? It, the demon, had seized him. And he had been driven into solitary places. He doesn't have full voluntary control over these things. He is seized. He is driven. Right? He is possessed. This explains why he screams and why he mutilates himself. The first part of John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And that's what's happening here. Right? The devil was destroying this man, stealing and killing his mind, his body, his soul. Now again, I think we would prefer if this man's problems were scientific or if they were medical or psychological in nature. Right? Wouldn't that make us feel more, just a little bit more like we have a semblance of control or a grasp of what's going on here but that's not the case yes the man's problems manifested themselves and we see this in the world the man's problems manifested themselves outwardly by his behavior right, by what he did to his body by how he treated others by his violence but the bible is clear the issue was spiritual it was demonic. 
and the man wasn't going to be healed or rehabilitated by a physician, by a therapist, not by medication, or not by incarceration for that matter. Now as believers, since we have the Holy Spirit in us, since the Spirit of the living God, if you follow Jesus and you entrust your life to him, if you, ha- you have the Spirit of the living God inside of you, we cannot be possessed by demons. Right? God claims us. We are his. Amen? We are his. And demons cannot live where God resides and God, God's, um, God's sovereign authority exists. But in this spiritual battle, we can come under attack. 1 Peter 5.8 says to Christians, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, Satan is still on the prowl. Things may manifest themselves differently today than they did in the first century or in Jesus' time. And not every sin, I'll just state this, not every sin, not every problem we experience is of the devil. But Scripture says, be alert, be sober, be vigilant. Because the enemy, the devil, he prowls around and he uses, he uses idols, things that we put before God. He uses addiction. He uses illness and the breaking down of our bodies. He uses pride. He uses guilt. He uses oppression. He uses fear. He uses trauma. Right, that's, and that's not all, but he uses these things to afflict and to enslave and to destroy people's lives. And we must see that. We see examples of this all in Scripture. If you're honest with Scripture, you see it in Scripture. The question is, do we see it today? And I think if you look around at our world and our society, you see these things. And people are held in bondage. They are not under control. But in this passage, I want us to see, see how the demons, they shake in fear of Jesus' authority. And when they see him for the first time, right, the man, the demon-possessed man, approaches Jesus. I'm sure his thought is to scare him away or to try to get him to flee. When they see him for the first time, this is the demons, they immediately cry out and they fall at his feet saying, Jesus, son of the most high God, I beg you, don't torture me. They recognize who Jesus is. This is an interesting contrast to the disciples who just, right, in the few verses before, had been asking, who is this man? that the wind and the waves obey him. See, but being spiritual beings, the demons know exactly who Jesus is. And when confronted by him, all they can do is fall down and beg for mercy. 
Satan and demons are a powerful force. Right? They have destroyed this man's life. And they have put fear in the heart of the local people. But they know they cannot withstand the power and authority of Jesus Christ. So Jesus commands, he commands the demons then to come out of the man. And he sends them into a herd of pigs. And then it says the pigs, right, they rush down this steep bank and they run into the lake and, and, and are drowned. So free from years of demonic oppression, the man is transformed. Or should we say he's restored, right? He's brought back to what he was or to what God wants him to be. Verse 35 says, The people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. Amazing, right? This once violent and crazed man now sits calmly at Jesus' feet. It says he was dressed, right, and in his right mind. Right? He probably combed his hair brushed his teeth. <laughs> right? It's a stark contrast. That's, that's what Scripture is, is saying, right? It's a stark contrast, isn't it, from when we first met him, naked, screaming, cutting himself. Right? This is the God, this is the kind of God we worship, a God who is able to change and to transform and restore and heal Right? We don't worship a small God. Right? We worship a God who controls from A to Z, right? from Alpha to Omega, to, from all of our existence. But do the people celebrate this amazing trans- transformation? Right? Do they recognize the good in it and thank Jesus? Right? No. In verse 37, it says, Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. Right? It turns out that the people were more afraid of Jesus than they were of this violent, demon-possessed man. <laughs> right? Crazy. Some say that the people disliked Jesus because he had cost them their pigs. Right? Somebody right, owned the pigs. Somebody had them as a business. And it only dawns on me that, like, Pastor Corey, his family had a pig farm, right? He grew up on a pig farm. <laughs> so he must, maybe he relates to this, right? right? But they, right? they lost their income. And that's, and that's true. And that means something. But I don't know that it was that that was the issue, right? I think they were afraid of Jesus because they knew they wouldn't be able to control him. Again, this is the kind of God, right, that we worship. Unpredictable, mysterious, powerful. We're not able to control God. We can't put him in a box. See, all too often, people want Jesus on their own terms, right? Like, I'll go to church, maybe, right? Or I'll, I'll follow the Lord, right? And they don't put their full trust 
in him. They really don't want to give up what they have. Right? They want to keep God inside the box. See, as bad as the situation is, as, the bad, as bad as our lives may get sometimes, we are often more comfortable living with the demons we know than we are surrendering to Jesus who wants to free us and to change us. Right, so what, what do we see? What have we learned from this passage? This I would just call some of the key takeaways. Right? There is a spiritual battle being fought. I think for us to walk away and to understand there is a spiritual world and there is a battle taking place, right? that's important. That, that would be good for us to understand, to realize in our lives Second, though it may look different today than it did in Jesus' time, the devil, he still seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And we cannot be okay with that. Third, for us, practically speaking, it's to be alert, to be vigilant. Do not give the devil a foothold. Right, that's another verse from, from the book of John. Do not give the devil a foothold in your life, whether that be through sin right, or addiction or various other things. Four, we have nothing to fear. Okay, so I'm making the jump here, right? These things, these things are significant. They're difficult in the world around us. They're difficult in our lives. But we have nothing to fear when it comes to the devil and demons. Amen. Right? Amen. Jesus has complete authority over the devil and demons and the dark forces that we read about in Ephesians 6. There is no comparison. And this is, this is important. There is no comparison between God and Satan or God and demons, Jesus and demons. Right? There is no comparison. This is not an equal fight. This is not a, a battle among equals. Okay, it's not like 50-50. Right? We can place our trust in him because of Jesus' work on the cross. This is where he conquered and defeated right, the enemy. This is where the decision, this is where it's already been determined. Right? And we, we live with the victorious Savior. Amen. And lastly, while the devil comes to afflict and to enslave, Jesus comes to restore and release us. Right? It's all said, again, in that verse John 10.10, 10, right? where it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? But Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And our God is a God of miracles. He works in the physical as well as the spiritual. He's bound only by his, his sovereign will and his purpose and what he sees as being right to do. Right? And while his works are powerful, Right? God's miracles are not merely a display of his strength and his authority, 
Although if we miss that, we're missing something, right? Because they, they are a sign of his power and his authority. But they're also a reflection of his love and his compassion. See, one of the main themes of Jesus' ministry and his kingdom is the theme of release. Release. Right? Jesus says in Luke 4 that God's spirit is on him to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. Right? This is what he did for Legion, the demon-possessed man. Right? Exercising the demons that held him captive. And he restored him to the person that God wanted him to be. And he wants to do this in our lives and in the lives of people around us. Amen. 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 I'd like to call up the the worship team. And I'd like to call up the the prayer counselors this morning to come up. You know, and as as they come forward, you know, I just want to say today's passage Today's passage is, is strange. It may be foreign to us. It, it may take looking and thinking and praying about what it means for us. But today's passage is a picture of God's heart for us. Right? Jesus saw Legion. He saw the demon-possessed man. And he, saw, and he saw him out of love and compassion. And as he did with Legion... God wants to free us from the things that shackle us. He wants to restore us to health and to freedom. Right? The real breaking of chains comes only from Christ. He alone has the power to cure what ails us. Right? And our prayer counselors are here to pray with you, to pray for you. Um, and so I invite you as the worship team leads us in our closing song, um, to, to come forward as you're led and to receive prayer for God's release in your life. Release. Release from Satan's grip. Release from the power of sin. Right? Release from our doubts. Release from the things that hold you back from him. Let's pray. Father God, we avail ourselves to you now. We realize how little we know sometimes about you and your kingdom and the world around us, Lord, but we can trust in you. We know that we can anchor our faith in you, Lord, for you have all of these things in your hand, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would, um, you would help us to come honestly and earnestly before you this morning and to give our burdens to you, to give what ails us to you, Lord, to give our sins to you and our idols and ask for you to release us. Release us from the the power and the grip that Satan may have on our lives for the difficult things that keep us down. Lord, we want to give these things to you this morning. We pray for your release. We pray for your presence and your glory here. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.